Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa as we head to the middle of August. We to, This week, we are going to celebrate the life of college football coaching legend Bobby Bowden. Coach Bowden passed away over the weekend uh, after a battle with pancreatic cancer. Uh, Bowden was a lived to 91 years old, and uh, so we are gonna we are gonna celebrate Coach Bowden's life uh, this on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure you've seen many things around social media giving praise to Coach Bowden for his for his career, for his influence on people, uh, the city of Tallahassee, and the Florida State campus. So we're just gonna try to add to that a little bit on this special podcast. I'm going to give you some personal thoughts about Coach Bowden. I was fortunate enough to get to play for Coach Bowden for a brief part of my college career. Um, so I'm going to give you some just a little retrospective of that and my, just some general thoughts about Coach. And we're also going to have two great guests. We're going to have Drew Felios. Drew was a uh, sports reporter uh, back in the day at WCTV in Tallahassee. He covered Coach Bowden. Early in Drew's uh, broadcasting career, he's Drew uh, works for ESPN these days. He does uh, he does a lot of he's in a lot of things in college football all over the sports landscape as a, as a broadcaster. We're going to talk to Drew about his experiences with Coach Bowden. We're also going to talk to Todd Mazza. Todd is a friend of mine. Todd actually Todd and I actually met our freshman year of college at Florida State University. We actually lived on the same residence hall dorm floor at Florida State. Todd later went on to work, do some behind the scenes work on the Bobby Bowden show, which was uh, the, the weekly show summarizing the that week's football game with Coach Bowden and host Gene Deckerhoff. So we're going to talk to Todd about his experiences with Coach Bowden. So we, this is this podcast is meant to all be a celebration for Coach, um, you know, there's lots of different uh, ways to celebrate them, but I thought we would this would be a good way to talk to a couple of our couple friends of mine that uh, have some direct experiences with working with Coach Bowden in a couple of different avenues. So before we get to Drew and Todd, I just want to give you a, a, a brief little you know synopsis of my experiences with Coach. Uh, I was fortunate enough back in 1992 to walk on the Florida State football team as a place kicker. Uh, Always interesting story to tell. I um, basically when I tried out for the team, I you know it took a long it took several uh, visits to the football office to, to to finally get a workout. Took several visits to get a you know definitive time, and basically I was told show up at this time. Um, 
and be ready. So what I did was I showed up to the Florida State practice field one day, whatever time I was told. No warm-ups, no stretching, no, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Who are you? It was, hey, you get five kicks from 42 yards out to see if you can make the football team. So fortunate enough, I was, uh, you know, I was ready to go. I uh, did well enough, so I made the football team. And uh, quickly, I, w- I, w- I was able to rise up to being the backup place kicker on the on the 92 football team. The ni- remember, the 1992 team was the first ever was the first year that Florida State had joined the ACC. So it was kind of a big it was a big deal on campus, obviously, with them finally joining a conference. Florida State had been for all the previous years and a football independent. Um, obviously, Coach Bowden had got there back in '76 as the head coach. They were in, right in the middle of his 14 straight years from 1987 to 2000 of being a top five ranked college football team at the end of those years for 14 straight years, which is probably a feat that will never be matched. Um, or if it is, it will, you know, obviously it will, it will stand in the te- test of time as a uh, historic accomplishment for a team like Florida State. People don't remember Coach Bowden back in the day. He, they would – you know, building the program, he would play anybody, anywhere, anytime. He would play the heavyweights, non-conference from Michigan to Ohio State to Notre Dame to LSU to Oklahoma to Nebraska, uh, Penn State. And most of those games occurred on the other team's home field. So he would go to Lincoln, Nebraska. He would go to Happy Valley. He would play Ohio State up in Columbus. I remember a classic game. He played Michigan up in the big house in 1991. He would play all comers. He played the famous game, the famous punt Ruski play, when in 1988, in Death Valley, Clemson, South Carolina, the game's tied 21-21. Florida State runs a fake punt from their own 20-yard line with about three minutes left in the game to Leroy Butler for the famous punt Ruski fake punt that leads to Florida State beating Clemson at the gun. So, um, so I get to Florida State, 92, make the team. Fortunate enough to quickly rise up to, I was the backup kicker, you know, uh, had a great uh, fun, you know, great experience. Never got a chance to play in a game, which I think, I think in retrospect, if you, you know, if Coach Bowden in the program, uh, one thing they didn't probably do as well as they should have is they didn't spend as much time uh, on the field goal kicking game and giving, making that a competitive position on the, on the team as much as they made competition a part of the, all the rest of their program. You know, they suffered in the early 90s, obviously with some wide right kicks, and in the mid-90s with some additional kicks. Just imagine if if instead of missing three or four of those kicks, they would have made two or three of them. They would have probably been in, in, a, in at least another two or three national championship games and probably would have won another couple of national titles at the minimum. So that'd be the one thing, you know, from a personal perspective, I wish uh, – I wish – you know, coach and the staff would have put as much attention on the kicking game as they did in the offense and the defense because they were elite athletes on offense and defense. We had good kickers, but I don't think there was as much competition and as much desire by the coaching staff and the program to make that an essential part because they were blowing so many teams out. So many games were non-competitive as I think that sometimes the kicking game just kind of fell through the through the cracks a little bit. That if we missed a couple kicks, it wasn't that big a deal. So, and unfortunately, it came back to roost a little bit uh, throughout the early '90s with some of those missed kicks. And you know, 
fortunately, I wasn't um, I wasn't one of those guys making the kicks. I was the I was the backup uh, kicker for a couple of those. So, but in 19, at the end of nineteen ninety two, they went out and signed. They really didn't believe in giving guys a whole lot of scholarships on the in the kicking game. But they went out and signed after the ninety two season. They went out and signed a guy that you might have remembered who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated with Burt Reynolds, a guy named Scott Bentley out of Colorado. Um, so they did go out and sign a kicker, and he was perceived to be the, the best high school kicker coming out that year, and they went and signed him. That pretty much was, unfortunately, the writing on the wall for me that if I was going to want to play, and my goal was to try to play. I, I could have stayed and been on the team and remained on the team, but I really wanted an opportunity to compete and have an opportunity to play college football. So I made the decision after the 92 season that I was going to I was going to leave Florida State. Um, it was a very difficult decision because I loved going to school there. I loved, you know, the environment. But but ultimately, if I wanted to have an opportunity to, to truly play college football, it probably it was going to have to be at another school. So I ended up transferring to U, UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham, which at the time was a one double A program. So I was able to transfer there and not have to sit out a year so. So I ended up uh, going to UAB, playing at UAB. You know, and again, you never know how life life decisions will take you, but um, it was a good decision for me, and I definitely uh, value my time in Tallahassee. I loved it there. I was fortunate enough, again, to be on the member of the first ACC championship team, and I was on the Orange Bowl team in 1992-93. Uh, fate would have it that in 1993, Florida State, the following year after I left, Florida State would win a national championship. You probably remember the epic game against Notre Dame when they went to Notre Dame and lost. Then they came back and obviously they, they got to the Orange Bowl, beat Nebraska on, of all things, a missed field goal late by Nebraska in the last play of the game. So Coach Bowden won his first national championship in 1993-94. Um, you know, I didn't get to enjoy the fruits of that labor, but... Again, it all worked out for everybody involved. Um, so, so that's kind of my my journey. Again, Coach Bowden, a couple of cool things. He would always we would always practice on Monday nights in Dope Campbell Stadium uh, on a Monday of a of a game week. We would practice in the stadium, and you know many 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 of those Mondays, Coach Bowden before practice would start would walk around Dope Campbell just to get some exercise, and we'd be out. The kickers would be out. Uh, getting ready for practice, kind of warming up before the rest of the guys came out there. And I remember Coach would always, you know, whenever he would see me, he would say, hey, Red, how you doing? Because I used to have red hair, really red hair back in the day in college. So I, do, I appreciate that. You know, he always tried to treat everybody with with with, uh, uh, with respect, no matter where you were on the roster. Uh, as far as that goes, you get, um, I remember a Saturday in, a, in, a, in, the, in the pregame in the locker room, that uh, I don't remember what midseason something like that. Burt Reynolds and and uh, Walter Payton came through the locker room pregame, wearing a just a phenomenal leather jacket with a huge Florida State emblem on the back. Both of them had a jacket on. As meant, many of you may may or may not know, Burt Reynolds was a huge Florida State fan. He played football at Florida State, and he was a tremendous uh, supporter of the program, especially in those times in the '80s and the '90s when when. Florida State was building their national brand. So that was a cool moment that Burt Reynolds and Walter Payton walked right by me in the locker room. And another great moment I'll remember was when, back in 92, uh, Ron Simmons, who was a four-time All-American for coach back in the late 70s, um, 
came out to practice one day. And at that time, Ron Simmons was a professional wrestler for WCW back in the Monday Nitro days. And Ron Simmons, at the time of his visit, was the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. And they were getting ready to have a show in Tallahassee that night. And, Co and Ron Simmons rolls out to practice, jeans, boots, with a, uh, wearing a white tank top. And he rolls out to practice wearing his world heavyweight championship belt, which was pretty cool. You know, he, and he came and talked to the team for 10 or 15 minutes in the middle of practice. Coach got the whole team up, got to listen to Ron Simmons talk to the team, wearing his world heavyweight championship belt. And back in those days, you know, so many college kids were into professional wrestling. And obviously with Ron Simmons being a former Knoll, that was just a really cool moment that everybody on the team enjoyed and was, was, was you know, cutting up and cracking smiles and laughs and we're, we're in awe of Ron Simmons. So um, cool to, for Coach Bowden to do those kind of things and uh, always kept it very, very serious, but also it wasn't all football all the time. He tried to break up the monotony of football practices, training, all that stuff to have some lighter moments. And uh, just want to say thanks, Coach Bowden, for the opportunity to play for you. Uh, you're going to have, you lived a great life, you and your wife, Anne. Married 72 years, you lived 91 full years, and you, you will have a ter unbelievable send-off um, at your uh, services coming up this weekend in Tallahassee. So thanks again. And again, you're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. You're going to hear from Drew Felios and Todd Mazza in just a minute, uh, summarizing their experiences with Coach Bowden's career. Hope you enjoyed that. In the rest of our podcast, remember you can find us anywhere, Apple, Google, Stitcher. If you have any comments, reach out to me on Twitter at JPOSports, J-P-O Sports. Love to hear from you. And uh, enjoy your uh, week and enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, we are back. We are celebrating the life of Bobby Bowden, the coaching legend, Florida State University. And very proud and very pleased to have back on the podcast, the regular on the podcast, Drew Felios. Drew is a uh, sports broadcaster all over the country, does stuff all over the place. ESPN, the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies of the USL. He just got done doing Little League uh, baseball for, for, again, for ESPN. And he does, he's done football games, basketball, soccer all over, all over America. And Drew is a Florida State guy himself. Got some experience, started his career at WCTV in Tallahassee, Florida. So we're going to get Drew's perspective on Coach Bowden working with him, interviewing him and doing all the things on the media side, and also as a student, getting Drew's perspective of his thoughts on coach as a, as a coach and just when he was a student at Florida State. Welcome back to the podcast, Drew. Thanks, Jay. I wish it were under better circumstances and it was like a normal sure. sports week, but unfortunately, circumstances much different this week and this man had just as much, if not as much, you know, more effect on you than he did on me. You know, we, we both grew up with this man. So yep. I think it's fitting that we kind of celebrate his life today. Absolutely. No, it's all about a celebration. I mean, we're going to talk, uh, talk to me about, you know, when you were making your choice to go to college, I know your brother, you, your brother was at Florida state already. Did Bobby Bowden in the football program have any bearing on your decision you know, they were the kind of the, at that time they were, they were it, man. They were top, you know, they had just finished, they were in the middle of their 14 straight years of being in the top five, vying for national titles. Did that have any effect on your decision to go to Florida State? Oh, without question. I mean, you know, I, I was a pretty decent athlete in high school. 
I could have gone and played sports. I know a lot of people say that, Jay. Oh, I could have done this and I could have done that. I legitimately could have played basketball at, at some smaller schools and had some, some options and some choices. But Bobby Bowden was so cool. He was so hip. He was so in. He was so trending back then. Of course, no social media, but you get my point. He was, he was everything that you'd want a coach to be. And he made Florida State University what they were. And back then, remember, you had all the, the superpowers, the Notre Dames, the Michigans, the Nebraskas. And at that particular time. In Miami, late, right down the street. Miami. Miami late 80s, mid 90s. He is playing everybody. Um, you know, then, of course, FSU had a lot more options. They weren't in a conference. But, um, you know, th that game at Michigan when Terrell Buckley was taken on Desmond Howard, I mean, that that game, you know, Casey Weldon leading Amply, amply, amply running wild. Amper the scamper Lee, as we like to call him. You know, just watching that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, getting emotionally wrapped up in, in the wide rights, you know, because Florida State was – they were ascending at the time. And they had so many incredible athletes in the school I had visited a few times and, um, and Bowden's Southern charm and his graciousness and the way he talked, spoke always like a gentleman and always with strong faith, you know, to me, I just want to be a part of it. Even if I was just in the stands, sitting in the stands at a game, watching from afar, I wanted to be a part of what that university was becoming. And I, and you know, like so many others, went to Florida State for that reason. I think we don't realize how much that man meant yeah. and how much of an influence he had in our lives. And even now, can you imagine all the buildings, all the construction, all the improvements to athletics that are directly tied to Bobby Bowden? Everything at Florida State Athletics is tied to the, to the, to the football program and how Bobby Bowden built it, built the alumni base, built the boosters. Those guys that had the money to write those checks to refurbish Dope Campbell. When you and I were at Florida State, Dope Campbell was a the stadium itself was a was a wooden box. It was a joke from a college perspective. When fans used to cheer and stomp their feet, it was almost like you know the thing was going to fall apart, and you could you know feel it shake. I mean, yeah. you know, you see the UCF stadium now, and how it's still kind of like that. FSU's Dope Campbell was worse back in the day. So little by little, the additions were happening, and then. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know some of those seasons in the late '80s. Deion Sanders kind of took it to a new level. Yep. And then you know P.T. Willis, that team, his senior year, I think, had national championship potential all over it. Of course, if they hadn't stumbled earlier yep. in the year, you could just feel a championship was coming. And then you know the Miami setbacks. Jay, you were on the sidelines for those. You felt those. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. Watching watching those games and, and that second wide right. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> uh, you know, Incredible. first and second one, it, it just, it, you know, it, it, it really, it really got to you. But then my, my, uh, my freshman year in college, 1993, finally we get yeah. Miami at home and there was no stopping us that year. And eventually we go on to win our first national championship I over mean, Nebraska, but, I mean, you, but, win, but you, win, you win the wild game at Notre Dame that year in 93. This, I mean, the, the game of the year, Florida State wins it at the late, late, late in South Bend. I mean, what a, and then they wait, get, no, 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 Jay, we lost that game. Oh, you're right, right, right. right. They lost, right, 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 right. Yeah. Florida yeah. State, 
Florida State lost that game. Remember Lou Holtz on the sideline? Right. And quite frankly, he, he outcoached Coach Bowden on that particular day. Yeah. Remember the grass was a little <laughs> bit taller and slower when he on that day. Yeah. I mean, my my ESPN partner, Forrest Connolly, talks about that day like he remembers it like yesterday. He said they were all hyped up. They came out, they they come out of the locker room and they look over. And Notre Dame players are just stoic. None of them are celebrating. None of them are jumping up and down. And Forrest was like, oh, my goodness. And they knew that they were in for it. And that was because of Lou Holtz on that day. And, of course, those guys are great friends, Coach Bowden. But Coach Bowden, what he did was he kept the guys in it. And then when we got our shot against Nebraska, they finally made it happen, even though Tom Osborne's Nebraska team with Trev Alberts they were a handful as well, but still you felt like it was destiny that year under Charlie where they finally got it done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get, we're going to get to Charlie here in a second. All right. So you progress kind of through your college career. You start to get the, you kind of start, get the itch that you want to be a broadcaster, that kind of, that kind of Avenue, you get an opportunity to, to work at WCTV in Tallahassee, which is kind of the, the it station in Tallahassee for Florida state football they, they hosted the Bobby Bowden show. You know, that was the, that was the main station in Tallahassee for, for Florida State coverage. Talk to me about you now joining the media side and having to interact with Coach Bowden on that side of the ledger. So I, I get hired at WCTV 1999, okay? So I get thrown right in. Randy Ruditz was the sports director. That name probably rings a bell, the late Randy Ruditz. Um, of course, Channel 27 was our competition. Yep. There was also an NBC affiliate in town as well at the time. Now, Coach Bowden, to get access to him, there were several ways, okay? Number one, Monday morning, there was a booster breakfast that we used to try and go to. And they'd give him the mic every week, and he would off the cuff give a little 15-minute speech, and he'd make it unique and special every single week. Afterwards, he would step aside and us in the media would get a chance to stick a microphone in his face and probably talk to him for about five to 10 minutes. But you were always with somebody when that happened. You never were one-on-one with him. And and remember, folks, before you go, remember, folks, this is pre-internet, pre-live streaming. You can't watch the press conference 50 times online. If you you didn't catch WCTV's coverage of of his press conference or a snippet, you, um, you you have to read it in the newspaper, and you really didn't get a lot of context. So coverage, TV coverage back then was critical. It was the avenue for all the people on campus and in the community to hear what Coach Bowden had to say. That's right. The other way to get him, Jay, was at practice. Now, he'd spend most of practice up in the tower. That's how he spent his time. Then he came down to the golf cart, and usually when we would talk to him, we would just put the clip right here. And sometimes you would walk over to him, during practice and just say coach you good and he'd say yeah go ahead and you just walk over clip him real quick and start now if the sports information director caught you if rob wilson caught you or someone caught you you'd get an earful but sometimes coach bowden loved the media and he loved us and he was so nice to us that he was willing to give us a few snippets and then get back to his business so that's the kind of coach he was and then of course there was after games and then the other time jay where you could get Coach Bowden was you could try and make an appointment in his office with his secretary, Miss Sue. Right. I wrote a little experience on Facebook uh, on Sunday because Sharon. that's the first thing that Sharon. first thing first thing that came to my mind, Jay. Um, you know, usually me and my photographer would go and we 
make the appointment with Miss Sue and we try and get coach in his office for maybe a five to 10 minute interview, like on Monday or Tuesday. Well, the day comes and it's during the whole Peter Warwick mess. So tensions were high. Stress was high. Coach was being questioned and called out. And I kind of felt bad for him because this is an elderly man that, you know, was, you know, dodging bullets at the time. And by the way, this is free. This is free shoes. You Peter Warwick. The free shoes incident when he got caught that you taking shoes at the department store and that all that that's where free shoes you came from from one steve spurrier well you'll remember jay free shoes was actually Derek brooks in the mid 90s i'm going to correct you again and refresh you on your florida state history <laughs> that was Derek brooks right after the 1993 national championship really? that's okay. where free shoes you came from the 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 uh peter warwick thing was the dillard's scandal okay in 1999 where he went in and he was he got a discount bought 200 dollars worth of clothes and paid 20 bucks for it okay so that's where that came from so the peter warwick thing was totally different okay so at the time here you have the heisman contender and warwick was the best player in the country that year coach has to suspend him and he suspends him two games okay now during that i make an interview or make an appointment with coach through his secretary, Miss Sue. And guess what? My photographer who usually comes with me and is kind of the, you know, the master of setting up the camera. He's not with me. So I'm going at it alone. So I'm a little nervous. I got to set up this camera. I got to make everything work and I got to do it timely and I got to get coach in and out. So Jay, I get up there and Miss Sue is not at her desk. And here it is. It's, it's 11 AM. No one's there. I look at the office and coach Bowden's office is cracked. The door's cracked open. So I walk up to the office. I look in, I see nobody in there. So I figured, okay, he's probably out with Miss Sue or out with the SID. He's going to come in. Why don't I just set up right in his office? And then once he shows up, I can say, Hey coach, I'm ready to go. You know, anyhow. So I walk into his office. I set up my tripod. I set up my camera. I turn on my light, hook up my microphone and Jay, I hear a big, big toilet flush (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh he's here he's in his lavatory right now he just took care of his business and now he's going to walk out and see me and i'm going to take him totally by surprise in that 10 seconds jay i thought i'm going to get my ass chewed here (laughs) by bobby bowden and thrown out of here because what i just did is not good and this is not going to be good So he walks out of the bathroom. He lifts his head up. He looks at me. I look at him and I'm like, kind of spare me. Like I I just was kind of bracing myself. And he just smiles and says, what do you say, boy? (laughs) I said, coach, how are you? Good to see you. He says, oh, good to see you too. What do you need? I said, coach, can I just have a few moments of your time? Oh, sure. No problem picks up my microphone, puts it on his shirt collar, sits down. We do an interview. It's about five, six questions. And then afterwards, Jay, he makes conversation with me. He's not even like, okay, I got to go get out of here. He was making the time for me right then and there. That's Bobby Bowden for you with all the weight of the world on his shoulders. He still knew how to make somebody feel special and make a kid who didn't know what the hell he was doing feel pretty doggone good on that day. That's all. That's great. I mean, and the cool thing about, you know, Bobby was such an instrumental part of the community. Everybody, Tallahassee's not a big city. You know, he lived in the same, probably same house he probably lived in forever in Tallahassee. 
He was a part of the community, the church, the, uh, you know, the school system. I'm sure he did booster club talks. We know he did tours around the state of Florida in the Southeast, the Bobby Bowden booster tour, the rubber chicken circuit, that, that kind of deal. You know, just talk about in the media in Tallahassee, they're always probably going to be give Florida State the benefit of that. How, how difficult was it to ask them tough questions about things that maybe weren't going so well, either on the field or on the recruiting trail, or if he did have a misstep where people were questioning, hey, why didn't you suspend this guy? Why, why are you giving this guy a second and third chance? It definitely was. The Peter Warwick thing tried his patience, and he was getting a lot of questions that were, you know, kind of turning him sideways that he wasn't used to answering. Also, there was a, a point, Jay, I believe it was 2001, the summer of 2001, where FSU lost a player during the mat drills. And that was a big deal as well, where his program was starting to be questioned. Uh, there was also, through the years, Why'd you join the ACC, not the SEC? Right. Um, there were all these little things that he used to have to deal with. I remember, too, in 99, in that fall of 99, Jay, he had to play his son, Tommy Bowden, who was the coach at Clemson. Right. And that was a very big deal because that was happening yep. uh, for the first time ever. And I remember Ann Bowden was under a lot of stress. She didn't really enjoy that. Sure. They used to ask her, who are you rooting for? And she said, Bobby, it's no <laughs> contest. I'm standing by my man. Um, I think she was very important oh, yeah. to him over the years and keeping him, keeping him going and keeping him, you know, focused. And, and also his coaches, you know, Bobby, uh, Bobby liked to delegate to his coaching staff. Absolutely. So I think that made things easier. He had a really good staff. Mark Richt was coming into his own at the yep. time. Chuck Amato was ready to go to the next level. Brad Scott uh, went to South Carolina. Brad Scott, Mickey Andrews was always his backbone. Yep. Coach Sexton met so much. The stability of that staff, yep. I think, made things a lot easier on him over the years. And right. it made him kind of just sit back and handle the media as well as he could. The CEO. He became a CEO. Exactly. He knew that the football part was taken care of. So one, one thing kind of helped the other. And then I think he, you know, I think he had good kids. I, I, I think also people forget the Peter Warwick thing. People were wondering, why is this kid still on the team? And Bobby would have to remind people, hey, I got rid of Randy Moss a couple years ago. It was one strike you're out with him. Because when he came to Florida State, I said, you get one chance and basically no chances. You mess up, son, you're done. Sure enough, Randy Moss smoked marijuana and he was out because right. Coach Bowden, said, hey, you, you, do, you're not, you don't have any chances when you come here. So there, there were those moments when he was questioned, he was put on the spot, media was throwing darts at him. Right. But at, at the end of the day, he always seemed to be himself. He never got out of character. Jay, I was waiting for that bad day to happen when he would have that meltdown. Right. Look at Greg right. Popovich, what he, he was doing at the Olympics. Look at Nick Saban. Look at Rick Pitino. Right. All the great coaches have had meltdowns. Calipari. Are you kidding me? All these guys that are great have had meltdowns. Tony Dungy's maybe one that has never had one. Coach Bowden never had one as well. He was always, always gracious. And he can't, and, and to me, a guy, a, the guy that I kind of remind, that reminds me of him that, again, I know you have a little bit of experience with working in the Nebraska market, Tom Osborne, that same kind of grace, that same kind of guy building a program, 
you know, all the, you know, dealing with the tough questions when he had to, you know, always had, always had the community as a, as a, as a backbone of what he did. It wasn't all about football. He cared about the community. He cared about his kids. And again, did it always show up? Did every kid that came through Tallahassee, did they all do the right thing? Of course not. When you're there for 40 years, you're going to have some guys. And when you're, when you're expected, when you're a dominant program, you're going to have a few guys over the years that don't do the right thing that are doing it for the wrong reasons that, you know, that get in trouble that affect everybody. Jay, you mentioned Tom Osborne too. Those guys are such great figureheads. Bowden kind of represented the South. Tom Osborne, the Midwest. Right. You know, he's just that nuts and bolts kind of guy. And Bowden, you know, with that Southern charm, those two guys, they had some great battles back in the day. And Jay, I, I never told you this. You and I have talked about a lot over the years. But when I went to Lincoln and was a sports director at the CBS affiliate there for four years, a lot of the old school Nebraska people used to ask me, what's it like covering Bobby Bowden? A lot of them wanted to know because he was like the one that they respected just as much, if not more than the great Tom Osborne right. who had been there for years. And the old story goes, FSU went to Nebraska back in, I believe it was 1980 or the late seventies. And it was a classic game. And as Florida state was walking off the field, everybody stood up and gave Bobby Bowden a big round of applause. There was so much respect for coach Bowden and what he did. And, you know, what, me going there and them reading about where I had come from getting those questions. Yeah. It was really something else, man. Let's talk about Bobby on the field. Like you mentioned, when he was building this program in the early late seventies, early eighties, mid eighties, he would go play Nebraska at Nebraska. He'd go to Michigan. He'd go to Ohio state. He'd go to LSU. He didn't care because they weren't coming to Tallahassee to play in Tallahassee because Florida State hadn't established themselves yet. But he was willing to go play Penn State, Paterno. That was the part of that I loved about Bowden. He goes, I don't give a damn where we got to go. Let's go play. We think we're that's as what good he, as you. Let's go. That's what he did to gain respect. And that's why a lot of people question what UCF has done over the past 10 years. It's been an ascension, no doubt. Right. But come on, you're playing South Carolina State in the first few games, you're playing Furman, you're playing Florida state was taking on some of those best teams right out of the gate. Cause they were, they were playing for respect and Jay, it wasn't just the games. I think the other thing that coach Bowden really did to really catapult FSU was it was the recruiting man. I mean, you would have these battles right down to the wire for certain guys. Sure. And on that final day, coach Bowden would, would walk into your house and it was over. He was the ultimate closer yep. and was the ultimate guy that when he walked into these kids' living rooms, man, that was it. I mean, you remember Scott Bentley back in the day. Yep. FSU needed a kicker at the That's time. That's why I left. That's, That's why, I why you left. It, it, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, that was the guy that, that kind of, you know, had a big influence on where your college career ended up. Yep. But, but, uh, you know, th there, there were other guys, you know, you know, Danny Cannell was one, you know, there were, there were number yep. one consensus players over the years that he'd go to California and get a guy every once in a while, Chris Ricks, a guy like that, you know, he'd go to Oklahoma or Texas and get a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or a running back. I mean, he would all, and you, you and I always know, he would always mention on his, on his, on his post game show the next day, so-and-so from Birmingham, Alabama, or so-and-so from Topeka, Kansas, 
What a I, we love his mother, his mama and dad and his sister, and you know, just he would always reference where the kid was from, the high school, you know, just those kind of things that that that, that again helped recruiting. That's right. He he made it a point to get to know the kids, and he he knew the best dish that their mama was cooking at home, yeah. and he he'd reference that, and uh, you know, such a father figure, and two guys, man, that that he reeled in that uh, I think are the best Florida State players ever, with all due respect to Deion Sanders, Derek Brooks, and Work Done. Yeah, offense, defense, right there. Those guys were the greatest that I saw. Deion was spectacular, but. As far as an entire career is concerned and productivity and what they meant to our program emotionally, as far as steady influences, those guys were were the best. And Coach Bowden was like father to both and, of those guys. And remember the war done situation, his mom had just got murdered as a police officer in Louisiana, like his junior, senior high school. And so Bowden kind of took him in. Hey, I'm going to take care of you, Warwick. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm not going to let you fall in the, into in bad habits. So those were the kind of things that like you said, a father figure. A lot of the guys he recruited probably came from dysfunctional families, broken families. He was that the consummate father figure that as soon as they made, if they made one mistake, he didn't throw them into the ditch. He didn't throw them into the trash can and say, get out of here. He gave guys an opportunity. Now, again, when certain guys did certain things that were un, that were unfixable, then he had to get rid of them like a Randy Moss. But, you know, he did a great job of soothing the mom, the, the families back at home, wherever they were from, saying, I'm going to take care of your son for these three to four years. And, you know, Jay, I've been I've been doing a lot of surfing on the Internet um, over the last few days, and I'm looking at messages uh, from people that were close to him. I'm watching videos, some of his last interviews. If you get a chance, you got you have to check it out. Well, there's a guy I used to play basketball with, and you probably remember the name. Um, at Leach Center back in the day, he's now a doctor. He's now a he's now a teacher at FSU. Dr. Kendrick Scott, K. Scott. Okay. Um, he, he he played in the secondary. He had Coach Bowden come and speak to one of his classes at FSU a couple years ago, and I watched the video. And Coach is not talking about football. His message was, "Problems in life are a privilege. You're gonna have problems." He said, "If you don't have any problems, something's wrong." And can you imagine life without any problems? Right. He says, your success in life is going to be your ability to solve problems. You know, right now, we're all going through coronavirus. We're all going through challenges. You know, my career's had challenges over the past 12 months. Sure. Your career has as well. I mean, you know, we're all navigating through what's a different time. The world has changed big time. But that is a message that I have really soaked in. And uh, Coach Bowden really knew how to put it all in perspective. He really did. All right, we'll one more on-field thing. We'll get you out of here. 1993, the, all, the world of football now is what? Spread offense, fast break, no huddle. Back in 1993, Florida State was the innovator of the fast break offense with Charlie Ward at the helm. Can you imagine what Charlie Ward's value to an NFL team or a program would be this year? You know, if he, if he played in this era, as opposed to when he played, when it was the six foot five pocket passer that, that Florida State had grown with, the Brad Johnsons of the world, the Casey's, the Peter Tom Wilson's were drop back guys. Then you have this Charlie Ward guy that he gives an opportunity to and Mark Richt say, we're going no huddle. We're going five wides. Let's go. And I think, were you at the swamp with me in 93 
when I he think, found Warwick done. I think, yeah, I was. Were you in that game with me? I believe I you were. That was the greatest college football experience I've ever had. That was the loudest stadium I've ever been in. Yep. Uh, Keith Jackson was on the call. We had Danny Werfel and Terry Dean comes in late in relief. Werfel was a little ineffective that game. Terry Dean comes in, yep. catches some fire, hits Jack Jackson. Florida's back in the game. Florida State comes out. You had Tamrick Vanover on the field. You had, you know, Kes McCorvey out there. But Florida State, I think, had like a third and nine. Third and ten. Third and ten. From their the own, place is 20. erupting. The swamp is erupting. Because if Florida State loses, there's no national championship. They have to win the game. They've already have lost to. to Notre Dame. Have to. And here comes someone on Charlie's backside. He spins out of it and float a finds, floater down the sideline to Dunn. Floats it to floats it to Warwick Dunn. And just watching him run down that sideline was the greatest college experience nothing will ever beat that that that's as good as it gets and uh then the very next year of course the choke at doak uh probably number two you know to me because that was such an incredible moment Rock 31-3 and, Florida State's know, down 31-3 in the fourth quarter right right I never just because I felt bad for Danny Cannell he had to follow Ward as quarterback and uh he had to win a lot of people over that year and that game I think he really kind of yep. prove that, okay, I'm the guy here for next year at least. And, uh, you know, those two years, just yeah. incredible football played by Florida State and just incredible experiences. And uh, Bobby Bowden, man, uh, just happy he was on our side and happy that he was the guy that we had a chance to to rub elbows with and experience college football with back in the day. Absolutely. I know. He lived, he lived a full life. I mean, his sons were involved in the game and they had success. So I'm sure that made him – so proud you know terry had some success at auburn tommy had some success you know his, Je his son jeff had some had some limited su coaching success but you know and to stay married to ann he was married to ann for 72 years to his wife you know just what a you know again the guy lived a great life countless lives he's affected you know countless dollars he's raised for charities and for florida state university and just you know, it didn't end great with him with the way it kind of ended with Jimbo and, you know, but it never does typically. I mean, uh, typically, and again, you know, nobody's going to, nobody's going to, going to, going to settle on those laurels of what didn't go well all the time, but just what a great life he led. And, you know, we're, me and you were both had the great honor to be a part of limited part of that experience. So uh, appreciate the time, Drew, great job, great perspective, you know, I know you and I are always going to be Florida State fans, and we just hope our Florida State program can get back to the level and somewhere close to where it was with Bobby Bowden in charge. Just consistency, class, um, compassion, you know, love, you know, yeah. uh, faith, family, football. I think that's so well said back in the day. It made it made our program, you know, so, so great, and it produced so many great human beings that have come from our program. We could rattle the names forever. We're proud to be Seminoles. I know you went to UAB. Yep. Well, you're, you're proud to be a Noel, Jay. You're, sure. you're a Noel at heart. They, they, they produce some jewelry for you. And I remember you <laughs> out on that field, at least in warmups, doing your thing. So you had your chance I did. to run out on that field. So uh, yeah, man, it, it's really a, a, a sad weekend, but now, you know, coach Bowden's legacy lives on. And uh, I think, the program is headed in the right direction. And they're going to, uh, you know, the, 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 I saw the, some notes about the services. This, the services are coming up on Saturday. 
They're having it in, in the old Leon County Civic Center. It's going to be that big and that much of a mm. celebration for the community and for Bowden. They could, they could, they could have, the, they really could have the, the service in Dope Campbell Stadium and they'd have 85,000 if they, if, you know, if they were allowed. But I mean, they're going to have it indoors at, at, the, at the Leon County Civic Center. That just shows you how big of a figure he was in that community. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jay. Proud to, proud to share the moment with you tonight. Awesome, man. Thanks. Great work, Drew. Keep up the great work. I know you got, you got your, you got the summer of the rowdies coming up, Little League, and moving into the football season. So have a great year. and we'll, We will talk very soon. Keep up the great All work. Right. Let's talk some bucks in a few weeks. Absolutely. Okay. Stay tuned to the podcast. We'll be right back with Todd Mazza, a former intern at WCTV who worked on the Bobby Bowden Show. Thanks for tuning into the Powers on Sports podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Before we get back to the episode, want to mention Titan Home Lending. If you have any home financing needs in the state of Florida, reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. I can help you with a home purchase, with a refinance, with a cash-out refinance, with a renovation loan, a VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan, and virtually anything in between relative to home financing. So reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can reach me on email at jpowers at titanhl.com. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right, welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to the celebration podcast that we are doing about Bobby Bowden and we're, we're welcome and awesome to bring on another guest somebody who's got some intimate knowledge of Bobby back in the day and is a friend of mine that we used to actually live in the same freshman dorm at one Florida State University Sally Hall way back in the day Todd Mazza Todd was a uh, intern at the local Tallahassee television station WCTV which was kind of the home of the Bobby Bowden show which is those you young younger viewers, the coach has a would have a show every Sunday morning following the game, a 30-minute little wrap-up show about the game. He, coach Bowden would talk about all the good plays in the game. He'd profile a player and all that kind of stuff. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Todd. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you after all these years, Jason, and uh, Sally Hall represent. That's right. <laughs> so Todd and I went to school. We, we met when we were fresh, true freshmen in college. I don't, well, I, was it the third? I can't remember what floor we were on. Third floor? Oh, we were on uh, the fifth floor. The fifth floor. Okay, the fifth floor oh. in the dorm. We did all kind of stuff. We, you know, several guys that we've kept in touch with over the years. But Todd's one of those guys. Todd's got some broadcasting history. And again, Todd was an intern for uh, the Tallahassee station that, that handled the Bobby Bowden show. So we're just going to talk about Todd's experience with Coach Bowden and all that. First of all, Todd, before we get to that. Was Bobby Bowden a reason, one of the reasons why you wanted to go to Florida State? Did that have anything to do with your decision to go? Yeah, you know, the, the football program was coming of age in the late 80s, right? right. And, um, and he was doing great things. And, and so I really got into the program. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to give him too much credit, but sure. Florida State football was a, a, a big lore for me to be able to go and, um, and be on campus with like a, a top five perennial program and and what they were starting to do in the early 90s. So, you know, definitely a, a draw for me to get there. Absolutely. I, yeah, me too. I mean, I, Todd's, Todd's from down in the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. I'm up here in Tampa, and Todd lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin now. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, 
you know, we were all huge Florida State fans, the students and all that stuff. Talk to me about how how you got involved at WCTV and kind of what was part of your role with the Bobby Bowden show. Yeah, so I I, I got into broadcasting at uh, FSU. That was my major. And I uh, started doing some internships. And uh, luckily, I was able to land one at uh, in the sports department at WCTV. Also worked in production at WCTV. So, uh, you know, learn the ropes and get some real life experience and really decide if this is something I want to do. And um, and so my sports rotations were on, you know, Saturday and Sunday. And so got a, a good opportunity to do a lot of, you know, coverage of the game, never in person for that. Right. But it was cutting sports highlights and putting right. together the things that the, uh, the sports reporters and the, the anchors used to use. And um, luckily, uh, most Sunday mornings when they had a home game, Bowden and Gene Deckerhoff would come in and they would tape the show there at the WCTV studios, which were way out just outside of the, um, uh, I guess it was just off of uh, Thomasville Road and right, uh, right, right near the, the border of Georgia. Right. And, and so they would wake up and they drive out there and it was like a nine o'clock uh, call time, if I remember correctly. And, and they'd, um, they'd come in and they'd do the show and record it. And then, of course, they did all the pre or the post-production a little bit later on and, and got it on the air. But um, for me, I was doing my internship that started you know, pretty early in the morning. And so I had an opportunity to go in and work on the show and you know, help out with uh, maybe rolling the teleprompter or helping out with um, you know, directing some of the cameras and, and things like that. So it was always, always cool when you know, Bobby was in, you know, in the, the building and had an opportunity for us, you know, me to interact with him and, and me and Gene, right? So that was, that was always a lot of fun. Though, yeah, those of you that don't know, Gene Deckerhoff is the legendary broadcast broadcaster for Florida State football. He's been the broadcaster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up here in Tampa for close to 30 years. I mean, he's been with he's been at Florida State probably mid-70s for Gene when yeah. Bowden came. That's right. Yeah. yeah I, mean, he, I mean, he's been he's the voice of Florida State athletics. I mean, if you know Florida State, it's Gene Deckerhoff on the call. Talk to me about how how coach would, you know, some of his moves. You know, one of the cool things in the show is they would always talk about. They'd have a player profile. They'd talk about a kid from, you know, Pahokee, Florida, or whatever small town he was from, and they'd do a two- or three-minute spiel on him, his family, talk about just the joy it seemed to be that he would have talking about those players that he re would recruit and things like that. Yeah, I mean, football was certainly an important part of his life, right? But he was always about the players and, and uh, meeting the families and uh, making sure that he was taking care of all of those players. And you know, he was always proud about the stories that he could tell about the, you know, each individual person, where they were from, uh, the impact they had in the game. Um, and, and he was never short of stories and all the yeah. different uh, Bobbyisms that he would come up with. And, you know, so it was always interesting to, to sit kind of behind the scenes, right? And right they're listening to all of this and, uh, and you get to see the man in action and he's just true and heartfelt. And, um, you know, it, it didn't matter. He's always giving credit to everybody else for the, the hard work that was going in on the field. So, uh, you know, that's what a true coach, a true leader does. And, and, and he exuded that. And again, when they do the, remember when they do these coaches show, like Todd's saying, it's Sunday morning at nine o'clock. And sometimes they just got finished playing at 10, 11 o'clock on Saturday night, somewhere they traveled or whatever. And so I'm sure there were times when they lost a close game or something. And, you know, he's got to come in that next morning to do the show. Cause usually the show would run around 12 o'clock on Sunday on the local station. So, they had to move, go pretty quick to get the show done. Um, how was his mood if they lost a close game? How would he, I mean, did he ever, could you tell he was frustrated when, when he was doing the show? 
Yeah, I mean, from from what I remember, right? He was. He, you get frustrated when you lose to a big program, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, or, or even some small programs, right? He had some some uh, very unfortunate losses along the way there. But yep. you know, you come in, he'd be critical about it. He'd talk about where he where the team didn't play well and where they need to improve upon, and and really pick it apart, right? And so it was really insightful for the fans and and um, you know all the alumni who were, who were watching and really trying to get inside the coach's mind, like what is he what is he thinking about? What and and how does he take this and re, and build upon it and learn from that? So um, and yeah, I mean they they had if, if they did a away game, they came in late that night and they'd have to get up and, and come in early. And that you know good news is a home game, no no big deal, but. You know they had to go, and they also had to do it early, quite honestly, because Gene had to get on a plane and head to Tampa. To do the now, if there was an out-of-town Buccaneers game, he wouldn't do it, right? He gets he gets Scott Atwell or someone, one of the the WCTV anchors, to come in and do it. So those are the other reasons to do that stuff. So you're kind of agitated in the morning, but he was always professional about it. He was always really friendly walking through the uh, the, the studios there. Uh, it was a joy to be around. Yeah, that's the thing that you know you hear all these stories about Coach and about his pleasantness to everybody, whether it was the janitor at the stadium or the person cooking the food in the, in the facility or the producer behind the scene at the camera film in the TV show, he always say hello. He'd take a picture, you know, nice guy, always have something positive to say, as opposed to, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that just blow you off and, and, you know, who yeah. are you as who's Todd, Todd, the intern, you know, that, that, that's a rare thing that that doesn't happen as much as we think it should. Yeah, well, and I'll also say right outside of the TV side of it, um, I was in the Marching Chiefs. Um, yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah, that's right. In the drum line, right? And so we used to go to, I think it was 93, 94. We went to all the um, all the home games and all the away games. And coach, every time I, I was there at the Georgia Tech game when Charlie Ward came of age, that's a game I'll never forget. Yeah. Uh, they came back in the fourth quarter and they beat, Char- uh, they, they beat Georgia Tech. And he came over after the game and threw his hat into the band. Right. And and made a lot of comments, you know, public about, hey, you know, really the band is the and, and the fans, too. Right. But the band, the 13th player that we got there and, yeah. and um, you know, so always giving credit to, to things like that and, and, and showing mementos. And now he's passed away in the past day or two. I've seen on Facebook all the people bringing out all the different things and people who have sent them letters. And he took the time to respond and, you know, just really show the, the best of who he is and, and the best of humanity. So yeah, no uh, doubt. I mean, he's, I mean, he lived a hell of a life. He lived, you know, he, he, he was as competitive as anybody, any coach out there as far as wanting to win the championships and wanting to beat people and all that, but he, but he did it with a grace and with a humility that was, can be honored again. Was he perfect? No, he made mistakes and he had, you know, he had, they had some issues down the road during, during his tenure, but hell, when you're any place for 40 years, there's going to be some, there's going to be things that pop up throughout the, the course of your tenure and the way he handled them to me, he was a consummate ambassador for the university. I mean, there are so many buildings and so many renovation projects that probably happened on that university because of football, because of Bobby Bowden, that probably never would have happened, including the stadium. When we were there, that stadium was a very mediocre stadium and now it's beautiful and upgraded and renovated and the attendance has expanded. For those who haven't, who weren't there in the '80s and '90s, it looked like an erector set, right? It was, uh, it was crazy. And then they really built it into something special because of him. Absolutely, and, and the fundraising he probably did that probably was not even related to athletics and football, libraries, academic buildings, things like that that he would, I'm sure, contributed his name to. He and Ann, obviously his wife, I'm sure, was very involved in a lot of that too. So nothing but be commended. Um, you know. Again, Todd, thanks for your time, man. Great job. Great perspective. 
you know, you and I both were students there. Todd was, you know, was there a little longer than I was. So he got to, you got to live through the 93 year when they won the title. So what was that like as a, as a member of the, of the marching chiefs to win the national championship for you? Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Right. So just uh, being part of the, you know, the, you're the chief's job is really to get the fans into the game and yep. to be that, be that 13th player on the field and give them that, that advantage. And at the time we were the largest college marching band in the country, right. More than 400 people that would show up on the field. So be able to bring that in and then, you know, really put that electrified in between, right. When there's, there's a, they're in a halftime or they're, they're doing a, a, a timeout or something like that. Keep the fans into it and really keep that spirit and that motivation going. Right. So and that, that legend and the legendary chop, you guys right. playing the music to the chop and the, and the and Doe Campbell on a, whether it was a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night at a home game, man, it was an awesome, it was an awesome perspective and awesome, you know, just a rhythm of the stadium. I mean, it was just a great, yep. instead of the wave, we had the chop. Oh, incredible. Incredible. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was, a, you know, Doe Campbell on a Saturday afternoon for a big game or Saturday night was a pretty cool place in the early nineties when, when they were playing Miami, when they were playing Florida, when they were playing, you know, when Georgia tech or Clemson was good in the ACC, that was always just an electric atmosphere. And no one I remember Yeah. Syracuse came to town in the early nineties. I remember that game. That was, it was huge. Yep. We went at, we went at Notre Dame, yep. um, you know, early on. So, I mean, just, just phenomenal games. Awesome, man. Well, great perspective, Todd. I really appreciate it. Um, keep up the good work. I know you're, you're in the private sector now in Milwaukee. I know you got a congratulations. I you got, you got, a, you got, a, you got a son now. So congratulations there and uh, keep up the great work up in Milwaukee. And we'll talk soon, my man. Cool. Jason, great catching up with you. That's awesome, man. Thank you too. No, we won't, it won't be another 30 years. I promise. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. We'll have our next little tribute to one Bobby Bowden. Stay tuned. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.